Hello, everybody. Happy Friday and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And Alex, to start today's show, before we really get into the weeds of this matchup, because this is, for me, a, one of the best chess matches that we're going to get all year long. You yeah. probably could have guessed that I'm a big Brandon Staley fan, and we're going to get into some of the things that the Chargers are going to do defensively against the Patriots here in a second. But Right off the top, 40% chance, according to Football Outsiders, currently for the Patriots to make the playoffs in 2021. 40%. So we're Are saying we doing path math right now. So we're we're doing path math because we're saying there's a chance, right? There is a chance at three and four that the Patriots can rattle off some wins here in the back half of their schedule and make the playoffs. Now, although there's a chance, it feels like it has to start with the Jets game last week, catapulting them to pulling off what I would call, even though it's four and a half, the line right now, an upset over the Chargers in a pretty good team in L.A., out in L.A. in their building. Here's the thing. You can make a convincing case that the Patriots should win their next five games. I think that there's also a case that the Patriots end up losing their next five games. Right. And the Chargers, Panthers, Browns, Falcons, and Titans. This is this is it. This this stretch, they got to get through the stretch. I'll say four and one. If they get through the stretch four and one, then they go to Buffalo on a Monday night, first week in December, and that's a ball game. That is all of a sudden we're talking about the division because right. the, uh, Bill's schedule is kind of easy between now and then. They got the Dolphins. It's actually really easy. I didn't realize how easy it was. They got the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Colts, and then finally yeah, the Saints before they play the Patriots. But yeah. And, you know, it's more, really easy. Right. It's more than the Bills. It's wild card, right? You're playing the Chargers. Yeah. That's that's potentially going to be a wild card team. Um, you're playing the Titans. That's probably not going to be a wild card team, but potentially going to be a wild card team. Browns probably, if they want to make it, that's a wild card team. The Chargers potentially are a wild card team. This is this is it. These next five games, that that game in Buffalo has to matter one way or the other if they want a shot at the playoffs. If if that game doesn't matter, they're out. No duh. So you got, I think they got to go four and one through the stretch, really, for us to seriously be talking about at that Buffalo game. Okay, playoffs. And I think they can do it. That's not to say they can't do it. I think they can do it. But this is it right here. This is the season, these next five games. Absolutely. And, and it's set up nicely for them. The Patriots have the 11th easiest strength of schedule for the next nine yeah. games. They right? got some help with some injuries here and there. But yeah, yeah, they got some injury help. And they have the Jags on the schedule. The Dolphins now aren't as good as yeah, they used to be. Atlanta's on the schedule, which is a very winnable game. The Colts are a very, very winnable team. And they would, the 11th easiest strength of schedule is factoring in that they have Buffalo twice, who currently is number one in DVOA. So if you take those matchups against the Bills out and you just look at the other seven games that the Patriots have left here, it is a very uh, much easier. Or they have, yeah, seven, nine, right? Or eight, so, eight. yeah. So what I would say is I gave, the, I gave seven, those. game is killing me. Yeah. Huh. I, I gave those five games that are, are crucial right here. Chargers, yeah. Panthers, Browns, Falcons, Titans. Here's their last five. Bills, Colts. Bills, Jaguars, Dolphins. So yeah. three of those are winnable. Let's yeah. say they can split with the Bills. Right. Let's say they can split with the Bills. There's four and one. So four and one plus three and four right now. That's seven and five. So here, so you're, let's say, and maybe, maybe I'm giving them too much splitting with the Bills, but let's say things fall away at the beginning and the end of the schedule, right? You're seven and five. Those last five games, 
you go for those middle five games, right? You go four and one, you're in really good shape. Now you're 11 and six. That should be a playoff team. Yeah. Basically the point of me bringing this up and then we're going to get into this matchup is that teams have gone from three and four to the playoffs a ton in the course of NFL history. You always hear about those statistical uh, trends about, Oh, if you start 0 and 2, you're finished, right? You know, when you start 3 and 4, you're definitely not finished. A lot of teams do this. A lot of teams turn their season around at the midway point, start playing their best football and move forward. The 54 to 13 beatdown of the Jets aside, that needs to be the springboard into what's coming up next here against the Los Angeles Chargers. Looking at this matchup against So hang the- on, do you want the the actual percentage of teams that make the play? Sure. Yeah, give it to yeah. me. The average finish is seven and nine, but 36, uh, uh, sorry, 17.9%. 36 teams of the, however many this is, have have reached the playoffs. So, and look, there's no good teams. There's no good teams in the AFC this year. There's no, nobody. And right. yeah, okay, people are going to come back with me at the Bills. I still, believe it or not, don't 100% believe in the Bills. But that's, um, but that's the, that's the other thing too is, not, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but if the Patriots can go on a run here, and get into the dance. There's really not a ton of teams, at least on right away, that's scary. Buffalo does scare me. Kansas City, I think, is going to turn it back on eventually, and they're going to be the force that we know them to be in the playoffs, and that's going to be a tough out for whoever plays them. But when you really get into this, it's not this loaded AFC uh, where there's one team or two teams that are just destined to meet in the AFC title game and nobody else has a chance. It's not one of those years. No, there's one. there are no one-win teams left in the AFC. Everybody has at least two wins. In the NFC, there's, let me just real quick, one, two, three, four. There's five one-win teams in the NFC. So, yeah, it's why, again, there's no great team. There's no, when it was the Patriots, when it was the Chiefs, nobody's run away with it. It's all right there. Yeah, so we're saying there's a chance. Now, the chance starts this Sunday against the Los right. Angeles they got to take care Carter. of business. They got to take care of business. They got to do what they got to do. We can talk Hang about on. Can I Can I give you a little breaking news here? Because this is pretty relevant to the game. Okay, go ahead. Austin Eckler did not practice today. Okay, so it sounds like Austin Eckler suffered some sort of hip injury in practice yesterday or maybe on Wednesday and has now all of a sudden gone from somebody that was going to play in this game and give the Patriots second-level linebackers, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar. They were going to have their hands full with Austin Eckler. Now he probably isn't going to play in this game. You're a DMP two days in a row uh, on Thursday and Friday with a hip injury. That probably means no go for Austin Eckler. So we're going to get to some of these matchups in the secondary later on in the show. I want to start on the offense side of the ball, though, with the Patriots and the Chargers defense and Brandon Staley. So a couple of things off the top about Brandon Staley and what they're doing in Los Angeles defensively that has a lot of people taking notice of what the Rams did last year and now what Staley's doing with the Chargers and what his uh, his mentor Vic Fangio is doing in Denver and did in Chicago Fangio. before that. Fangio. So Fangio. a lot of uh, it's. I think it's Fangio. I'm pretty sure it's Fangio. Fangio. I've never Fangio. heard anybody say Fangio until you just did. Oh well, cool. I'm a trendsetter. It sounds cool. It sounds no. It sounds like Halloween s Fangio. Yeah, yeah. It's I think I heard Halloween it on a podcast because they do that like in a in a in a funny way. You know, it's yeah, kind of an inside yeah. joke amongst the the hosts uh, the around the NFL podcast. So maybe they just say it a little bit differently it's fitting for halloween it's got like a vampire sound to it right I like so Nick fangio he cooks meatballs so basically with brandon staley everybody assumes 
because when you watch the Chargers, they start pre-snapping a lot of these too high safety looks. And this is something that's sort of taking over the NFL in the college game mostly, but now it's starting to trickle up to the NFL game. And that's because in college and now similarly in the NFL, you have all of these coaches and, and a lot of this is analytics driven, Alex, which I know drives you nuts. But a lot of this has to do with the fact that stopping explosive passing plays through the air and generating explosive passing plays offensively is number one on everybody's to-do list now, right? Hit on those 20-plus yard plays. So what they've done in Los Angeles, both with the Rams and the Chargers, if they started to play a lot more too high safety shells, at least before the ball is snapped, and then they rotate late into different looks, but the rotation is based off of the inside receiver's route tree. So essentially what um, what this is, and Bill Belichick gave a, gave a great explanation about this on Wednesday, is a zone match defense, which means that it's not country zone, which is it's not spot drop. Everybody's just taking an area of the field and zoning it off. What they do is when they these routes break vertically down the field, they convert it into essentially what is cover one man to man, right? And if the routes go underneath the defense, if those inside receivers, number two inside, goes underneath the defense on a short route, on a slant, on a drag, on something over the middle of the field, then they play it like standard zone. So basically the stress that it puts on the offense is that everything is a post-snap reaction, right? You're not, you're not exactly sure how the defense is going to play itself out after the snap or how the coverage is going to declare. So pretty much all of the game against this Chargers team is decided once the ball is live. So I, I, I on a lot of surfaces, that sounds like di- a very difficult defense to go up against for a rookie quarterback who has got new weapons around him, right? And they're still trying to integrate a lot of these guys to go against a team that takes a lot of continuity and a lot of things to uh, worry about in terms of post-snap decision-making. It's a difficult defense to go up against. But with that being said, as I wrote again in uh, my game plan today, the pioneers of these zone match principles and these zone match coverages just so happened to be Mac Jones's two head coaches over the last five years and Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. They started doing this in Cleveland in the early nineties because they were a cover three zone team in Cleveland to begin with. And teams were just shredding them on four verticals, right? They're running four verticals up the field, flooding the deep part of the field with only three guys deep. And they're having all sorts of trouble defending the seams out of single high in Cleveland. So they combined a man principle defense with the zone principle defense, and they came up with rip Liz, right? And that's what this match coverage is that is taking over all over the place. So Matt Jones has seen it in practice in college plenty. He's seen it in practice plenty here with new England. And this is a too high pre-snap structure that the Chargers are showing you so you get a lot of light boxes and that's why the Chargers are 32nd in the league against the run so to sum it all up here I actually think in a lot of ways this Patriots team is uniquely advantage and this is a pretty good matchup for the Patriots offense against the Chargers because everything the Chargers do defensively is to is to keep the cap on right they just don't want to give up the big plays and the patriots don't necessarily need big plays down the field in the passing game 
to move the football offensively. They can also go heavy and they can put the fullback on the field. Now we'll see if Johnny Smith is going to play in this game. It, it doesn't look too good right now. But if Johnny Smith ends up playing and they can also go 12 and they can go two tight end. So the Patriots can go with heavy personnel against a defense that wants to play out of light boxes and make this a styles wins fights type of matchup when the Patriots have the football. Yeah, this could be one of those games. And, and you mentioned they don't need the big plays down the field. Now that they've kind of cleaned up their red zone and high red zone issues, that's especially true. They've been much better around the goal line in recent weeks. This could be, and we we saw games like that. We've seen games like this a lot in the Bill Belichick era. And it's happened in different areas, different phases of the game. Yeah. But the general theme of the game is basically, you know what we're going to do. We know what we're going to do. Everybody in the stands knows what we're going to do. Everybody watching at home knows what we're going to do. And we're going to keep doing it until you stop it. Like, we're going to, so in, in this week, I think it's the run, right? The Chargers don't really stop the run, especially between the tackles. They don't seem particularly interested in yeah. stopping the run, especially between the tackles. And I think Bill Belichick is going to see that and say, stop it, make us do something else. Whether yeah. it's, and you know, that, that could be a, a number of different things. It could be the chargers allocating resources into the box to stop the run, in which case you get Mac working against a single high safety. Uh, it could be something, you know, the chargers simply getting up two or three scores early. And then the Patriots have to throw the ball. That's probably, you know, if we were doing Chargers beat right now, that's what I would be saying on that side is you're probably not going to stop the run traditionally, so you need to get up big and take the run off the table. But, yeah, yeah if, if I'm the Patriots and I'm Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, as long as this is a close game, we're going to run the ball down your throat. We know you know we're going to do it. We yeah. don't really care. until you. We don't think you can stop it. Until you prove you can stop it, we're just going to run the ball down your throat all day. Have fun. Like that's, and I love games like that. I really love games like that because it's like mean, angry, aggressive football. I, I, I think that's the game plan this week. Just do, do it until they prove they can stop it. Because how many times too have we seen the Patriots get killed by this? Where, you know, especially over the last two or three years, right? Where we know the Patriots are the better team, but the opponent will run for like six yards of carry on first down. And it just, it, it supersedes everything else that happens in the game. It's just way too much to overcome. Like I could see the Patriots being on the right side of that sort of, of story this week. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS 50 to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts. Right. So I'm trying to think what, of an example of a game like that. And I can't off the top of my head, but you know what I'm talking about? Like they've had. Yeah, so, so I think the, the two things, one, I think there's a decent example and it happens to be against the chargers in the 2018 postseason when they can totally different coaching staff, a lot of different personnel. So I'm not saying that it's the, it just stylistically, the games feel similar to me. 
So the week before that, the Chargers upset the Ravens in the wild card round with that quarters package, right? They were putting seven defensive backs on the field and playing DBs at linebacker because they had to, had to worry about the speed of Lamar Jackson. Then they came into the game against the Patriots in the divisional round. And remember that opening drive that the Patriots went on uh, in that game where they possessed the ball for like eight or nine minutes right off the top of the game because they just put James Devlin yeah. on the field. They knew that the Chargers were going to put light personnel in the game and they ran it right down their throats. This is a totally different scheme. But with what Brandon Staley was doing in Los Angeles with the Rams, I keep saying Los Angeles, it's, it's kind of confusing. Uh, with the Rams... Last year, well, Joey Bosa is a really good player, right? But Joey Bosa is not Aaron Donald. And on top of that, the Rams had a lot better depth on the defensive line. So they were actually one of the best run defense teams in the NFL last year was the Rams in Stale with Staley's scheme. But they're struggling to stop the run with the Chargers out of the same type of defense. So ultimately, this is a Styles win fight type of game. Like I said, they have to run the football effectively if you're the Patriots. I wouldn't be surprised if they take the ball and try to run it right down their throats for an eight or nine minute drive and finish in the end zone and really try to drown out this game a little bit. This feels like old school versus new school. And we've talked about this a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways on this show about how the Patriots are building their offense to be a bully when everybody else is building their offense to throw the football. And the Chargers have built their team from the top to the bottom analytically. They have looked at it and they throw the football 65% of the time, which is the fifth highest in the league. They play these two deep shells on defense, at least before the ball is snapped. They play zone match. They do all these types of things that I, I said this on Tuesday. If football Twitter was a head coach, they'd run their team like Brandon Staley does. This is the it thing to do. If you're Brandon Staley and the Chargers, the, these types of approaches and these types of thinking, they go for it on fourth down a ton offensively. This is what everybody wants every NFL team to do, and the Chargers are doing it. And I think the Patriots are going to come near and say, hey, uh, running the football and, and, and doing things uh, you know, in a different, more traditional type of way with the fullbacks and with the tight ends and going beefier and, and getting bigger – that, that is still something that we can uh, hang our hat on against these matchups. So I'm really fascinated to see if the Patriots can run the ball early effectively enough to allow themselves to continue to run the football, right? Because if you get a couple quick drives early on trying to run the ball because you're not going anywhere on first and second down, then the game starts to favor the Chargers a little bit more. But if you can come out of the gate and run the football effectively early and play that bully ball style of offense, then this Chargers team doesn't really have an answer to that. Now, the one last thing I wanted to mention about the Patriots uh, sort of philosophically here, this is a very, very big test in my mind for Mac Jones because it doesn't get more complex. It doesn't get more confusing from a post-snap processing standpoint than what he's going to face with Brandon Staley on Sunday. They rotate their coverage. It looks like it's too high. Then it becomes one high, vice versa. There's so many different things that they do after the ball is snapped to confuse quarterbacks. And when Bill Belichick goes up against rookies, you see a lot of rookies struggle with Belichick's defense because of how multiple and how complex they are in the secondary. And this is a very similar style of matchup against Brandon Staley and the Chargers. So I'm very – watching this on film back early next week, 
is going to be really telling to see how Mac Jones handles all this because this is a a PhD course and how to process coverage after the snap. Let's see if he can handle it. Yeah, I I agree. All right. Yeah, sorry. Let's go to the offensive line here. Um, Looking at the offensive line, I look, I'd be shocked if it's not the same starting five as we saw last week. I mean, if it's not, then something weird is going on, right? I I, I don't know why it wouldn't be, but one of those matchups that's definitely going to be key on the right side is Joey Bosa versus Mike Onwenu. But just in general, before we get into that matchup, do you think anything differently than I do about that starting five staying the same? Uh, well, it's not going to be Trent Brown. I don't know why there's like a bunch of people in the comments asking about that. Yeah. He, wasn't, he hasn't practiced. He's not bad. Yeah, um, there, yeah there, there shouldn't be any change. I can't imagine there's any change. Uh, I believe Justin Huron was still on the injury report, right? So I, I don't see any reason for them to mix things up. It worked last week. Uh, yeah, if they make a change, that that to me is is more alarming than anything. Yeah, so it sounds like it's going to be the same five guys. It sounds like it's going to be a big Damian Harris, probably a big Jakob Johnson game. Depending on what happens, I would say, with the two tight ends with Johnny, if he's going to be healthy enough to play in this game or not. It's going to be a big uh, run game, I would say. And then when you get into the passing game, as Brian Hoyer said to us yesterday, you got to take what's there. Right, This is not a defense that you want to hang in the pocket for a while, let Bosa come after you, try to push the football down the field. Take what's there, take the checkdowns, take the short throws, because more times than not, that's what this defense is going to give you. They're not going to give you too many of the plays over the top. Well, and and Max, the guy for that, right? What does he always say? Don't go broke, take, you don't need to go broke, taking a profit or whatever it is. Right. Never go broke, taking a profit, something yeah. like that. Um yeah, no, I think I, 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 I didn't mean to offend you guys. Just let you know, Trent Brown's not playing now. See, now I'm getting it. This is what I try not yeah. to engage with the yeah. chat. Um, uh, yeah, I, it, it kind of feels like that. It, as weird as this, this sounds, as much as we were bemoaning what the offensive scheme was early in the year, right? It kind of feels like this is the game you maybe want to go with that approach because yeah. that's what the Chargers, they're disinterested with stopping that offense because the analytics are dumb and, you know, Okay, so they, so if you want to do this, like, this, do you think do you think the Chargers are interested in stopping five yard slant routes? Okay, so this is what Brandon I think. Staley is no. is like working on stopping five yard slant routes. No, okay, this is what I think about the Chargers' stylistic approach. I believe that over the course of a seventeen game season, the Chargers' pr- approach is going to win them a lot of football games. But the problem that they have is that. From an analytics perspective, pretty much everything that we talk about with football analytics, except for decisions to go for it on fourth down and stuff like that. But talking about the stylistic, how to build your team, how to build your scheme, all of this is big picture, looking at it from a bird's eye view. Let's look at over the course of 17 games, what's going to win out more, right? And that is this too deep play coverage on the back end, make sure you don't give up explosive passing plays. But when you get into these individual matchups, that's when it can be a little bit problematic, but there's just so few teams in the NFL that carry uh, two productive tight ends and a fullback and a big off the way the Patriots are built, right? The Patriots are the dinosaur here. So for 
one in every 17 games that the Chargers are going to face a team like the Patriots, it obviously makes more sense for them to build their team for everybody else, what everybody else is doing. But the Patriots, as you've said to Alex, everybody else is zigging, they're zagging, and now is the real litmus test of if that approach is going to work in the long run for the Pats. Because if they can't run the football against the Chargers defense that has given up rushing yards of 100 and they've given up over 160 yards a game on the ground, right? Right. Last week, uh, two weeks ago before their bye week, Baltimore ran all over them. Cleveland ran for over 200 yards against this team in week five. All of these teams that can run the football effectively, Cleveland, Dallas, uh, Baltimore, that have been on the Chargers schedule have destroyed them in in the ground game. But like you said, the Chargers know it's coming. The Patriots know what they're going to do. And now it's just going to come down to individual matchups, man on man, who's going to be the more physical football team. And that's that's where the math is dumb. That's where the math ruins things for me. Because with the and this is what Bill Belichick has said, right? When we've asked about this in the past, is he I, you know, he says, I don't need some random play from 1984 dictating what I'm going to do now. Cause that's what it is, right? The probabilities are based on historical events. Well, the, Really what it comes down to is that if you look at the numbers and you look at the way that it's the, that the metrics work, if you give up one passing play of over 20 plus yards on a drive, the odds of you giving up points, uh, at least a field goal on that drive is something like 75 to 80%. If you give up two explosive okay. passing plays, let me finish. You have two explosive passing plays, two plays of 20 plus yards in the same drive. Teams are scoring touchdowns over 90% of the time when they get two explosives. So you that's the that's the thing is that giving up explosive cool. plays directly correlates to giving up points. Great. That's awesome. If you need math to tell you that big plays lead to touchdowns, you shouldn't be in football. Like that's what I I've known that since I was about six years old, I didn't need a damn calculator to figure that out. <laughs> what my point is, is all right. So 80% of the time, 80% of the time that works. What happens that other 20% of the time is your team built like the 80% of teams that made that stops. Do you have somebody or not have somebody that changes the circumstances? Every game is unique. Every snap is unique. That is my, and, and that is how I think I'm really excited to see Bill Belichick do it this weekend. That is how you take advantage of these analytics teams. They're built basically on just just the, the 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 most probable outcome, and that at a certain point you can dictate what happens, right? So, like you said, the Chargers are built because most of the time, the big play, you know, if there's a big play or two big plays on a drive, it results in a touchdown. That is true, but the Chargers are built on that definitively, and that's not definitive. Okay, Malcolm Butler got the interception in Super Bowl Forty Nine. Well, I know the math says he didn't do it. I know the math says he didn't do it. But the eye test tells me he's done it. I've okay. seen the video of it. So they're, they're, built, right. they're built to stop Kansas City. They're built to stop Buffalo. They're built to stop Tampa Bay. They're built to stop these teams that are putting up all these points in the here's NFL with a deep passing game. That's what they're built to stop. So here's my point. And they're all going to cancel each other out. That's what I love about this Patriots team so much is they're outside that bubble. They exist outside – like. But this is, is a game. This, this is, is a game. This is every. This is your you and Bill Belichick game, game, right? If they can't get it done here, if they can't run the football, then everything that you and Bill have told me over the last six months goes out. This is the matchup that they need to be able to actually be the bully that they built 
right in the offseason because if they get into a drop back passing game against this Chargers defense and they try to get Mac to go toe to toe with Justin Herbert in a shootout, the Patriots are not going to win that type of game, right? They're not going to win. They just had it happen to them against Dallas and look at what happened, right? The more talented passing game won out in the end. So if the Patriots are going to build their team like this, I'm all for it because I can see from a, a, a league-wide perspective that they're zigging when everybody else is zagging. They're going to put the fullback in the field. They're going to put their two tight ends out there against light personnel, against light boxes, and they're going to run the ball for six yards a carry. That's that's great if they can actually go out there and do it on Sunday. Well, that that's the beauty of it. It comes down to execution. The math doesn't matter. This is why I'm going on this rant, right? Because the math, yeah. the, like, the, the point... I, I, I was making is that, and, and this isn't so much about this game. This is just me going off on the math in general. I, this is just a good week to do it. The, 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 the anal, and this is across all sports, baseball, hockey, football, basketball, whatever. The more, the math works better. The more teams that buy in, if you're the only team in the league using an analytics approach, right. you're going to struggle more. Because, again, it's based on what is the most common outcome. So if everybody else is driving towards that most common outcome, you're going to see that most – it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're going to yeah. see that most common outcome happen more, and boom, you can dig deeper and deeper into your spreadsheets like a freaking nerd, all right? When you're outside that bubble, you the Patriots – this is the biggest advantage in, for the Patriots in this game. It's not – just literally they can run the ball against a team that's disinterested in stopping the run and they can throw underneath against a team that's disinterested in stopping passes underneath. Right. They can dictate the flow of this game. The chargers will go in planning for the typical game flow because they have to, because that's what the math tells them. The Patriots oh, can, the nerds. I love it. The, the Patriots. Good. The Patriots can change things up. The Patriots aren't married to well in 98% of games on first and case. <laughs> no, they can do what they want because they look at each, each in situation as its own individual situation. And right. it's just much more effective to do that. Okay. Well, it's going to be fascinating because this is a true, like I keep saying, this is a true styles win fight type of game where the Patriots have been built offensively to expose a defense just like this. The Chargers defense in DVOA, they're 32nd in the league against the run, dead last as a defense against the run. And DVOA against short passes, throws under 15 yards, they're 21st in the league. So they don't stop the short pass well, and they don't stop the run well. Well, that sounds like a team that the Patriots are perfectly built to put points up against. Let's see it. Let's see it on Sunday, right? There's no excuse now to not be able to run the football, not be able to run their style of offense, and we'll see what happens. Let's move over to the other side of the football as my hair is just deciding to go crazy right now. Uh, let's move over to the other side of the football. Talk about Justin Herbert, because as fun as this matchup is between Brandon Staley and Josh McDaniels and Mac Jones, uh, Justin Herbert's pretty darn good too, Alex. So we have to talk about the Chargers offense and how the Patriots are going to stop it. Similarly to the conversation that we just had, the Chargers throw the football the fifth most on a percentage basis in the NFL. Over 65% of the time, they throw the ball. Now, if I had Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I'd probably throw the ball 65% of the time too. But Especially point, if Austin Eckler's out. Right. So point being, the Patriots 
just like they're going to know what the how the game is going to be played on offense when they have the football, they know how the game is going to be played on offense when the Chargers have the football too. Now it's just going to come down to who can win out, right? Which which side can can execute better. So when you look at the Chargers, their pass protection is still not very good. Last year, 11 quarterback hits, three sacks on Justin Herbert. And a few weeks ago against Baltimore in the Chargers' last game, Herbert was under pressure a good amount from that Baltimore defense, and that seemed to rattle him. It rattled him in the matchup against the Pats last last year, and rattled him a couple weeks ago against Baltimore. Those are probably his two worst games as a professional. They scored six points against the Ravens in that loss a couple weeks ago. I believe their opening drive touchdown was the only score that they had in the entire game, and then the Patriots shut him out last year. Two very, very different ways they got there. Baltimore blitzed, and they put a lot of heavy emphasis on the pass protection and uh, knowing your rules and knowing your assignments, and they exposed that offensive line with blitzing. The Patriots a year ago, they went with more of a coverage plan. Excuse me, it forced Herbert to hold the football and then allowed the pass rush to get home from there. So whether they play coverage or they blitz again like Baltimore did, getting pressure on Herbert is the ultimate key because if you let this guy just sit there back there in the pocket, he's going to put up 400 yards against the secondary, just like Dak Prescott did a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, again, the numbers from last year, right? The game last year, they pressured him or they hit him. Sorry. They, they, they hit him 11 times. I don't have the pressure number, but it's higher than that. They hit him 11, which for a pocket, 35%, okay. that's a high percentage for an yeah. offense that's getting the ball out. I mean, 11 hits is pretty high, too. What's the average in a game? Like five or six, probably, yeah, quarterback hits, if that. Yeah. Um, they hit him 11 times. Only game in his NFL career where he's failed to throw a touchdown. Lowest passer rating of his career. I mean, they just they beat the crap out of him. It's what they did. So you look at it, and you say, okay, what did they do that last year that they can duplicate and do again this year? And like you mentioned, they didn't necessarily get that pressure blitzing a ton. I think they blitzed strategically. I think... Not that they called a lot of blitzes, but I thought the blitzes they called were very impactful in the moments they called them. So yeah. that's something you go back to. But I look at it, the offensive line is upgraded. It's better. I still don't think it's great. I certainly wouldn't put it in the top half of the league, especially at the tackles. Christian Darisau is still a rookie. Um, uh, on the other side, and I'm blanking on the name right now, uh, the, the right tackle. You want to help me out, or are you? Uh, I'll pull it up. I, I'm blanking off. Okay. Them, of course, uh, it's, it's like week eight. I'm already forgetting names. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, anyway, hey, uh, he's making. I, I don't know his name, but I can tell you he's Storm. making his. Storm. How did I forget Storm Norton? Storm Norton. Storm Norton. He's I knew it was a good name. To remember, and it's so, also yeah, Rashawn Slater at left tackle. Not... Rashawn Slater, exactly. Yeah. Not Christian Darrisal. Back in yeah. draft mode. mode. Yeah. Anyway, another rookie. You have Rashawn Slater on one side. He's a rookie. Yeah. You have Storm Norton on the other side. He's making his eighth career NFL start. These are not experienced players, and Matt Judon should be able to feast on these guys. And I assume they're going to move him a little bit back and forth as they have at times this year. Um, it's a big game for Matt Judon. This is a big, big game for Matt Judon because even though he hasn't gotten a sack the last two weeks, right? He had a sack the first, whatever it was, four games, five games. He hasn't gotten a sack the last two weeks, but since then, he's, you know, he's still been very good. I think he's still, I, I, I thought his performance against Dallas was underrated. I thought he got in Dak's face a good amount, moved him off the spot, even if he never hit him. There, He's drawn some holding calls. There's been some other plays that probably should have been holding calls that weren't. So I, I think this is a big game for Matt Judon to get in there and really make Justin Herbert uncomfortable. Because if they make him uncomfortable, 
like you said, we saw it last week. We saw it in this matchup last year. That's how you get to him. You have to get him off his spot. And I, I guess not just get him off his spot because he can move around and throw on the run. It's a, you know, it's a really fine line of you have to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. You want to kind of give him happy feet. You want him moving his feet, but you don't want him running. I'm going to audible and talk about cannabis, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA, I-N-S-A. They're the premier because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting it's for everyone. INSA dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in just to learn more. The staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from the differences between flowers and concentrates to offering for insomnia and anxiety, or reco for hanging with friends. Insa has a world-class head chef too, and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing, the Insa founders aren't VCs from Silicon Valley, but lifelong pals from Springfield. So there's another local team to root for, Insa. In Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just one off I-91 beside the MGM Casino. Mention we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt or for one penny, insa.com or 877-500-INSA. Right, so it's an interesting matchup in terms of what I'm seeing from, from their pr- protection because, you know, so Corey Lindsay's their center. He's a veteran center. When he was right, in- their interior he- offensive line's better. Yeah, when he was in Green Bay, he made all the calls for Aaron Rodgers, right? He was the guy that made all the protection calls, four down, three down, get them in the right protection. Rodgers would tweak things here and there, quality control type of stuff. But for the most part, Corey Lindsley called the protections. But Corey Lindsley's new to this system. Justin Herbert's new to Joe Lombardi's system as well. It's a New Orleans-based scheme. It's similar to what Sean Payton's running with the Saints. But these are all guys that are in their first years in this system. So I wonder, because, you know, Lombardi's a a new OC with Brandon Staley coming over. So a lot of the breakdowns that I saw a couple weeks ago against Baltimore were on not necessarily all-out five, six-man pressure, but more of those simulated pressures that we talk about all the time with Bill Belichick, where they show six guys up on the line of scrimmage like they're going to bring the house, but they only end up bringing four, and you as a offensive line need to decipher which four are coming and which four are dropping and then how to pick everybody up right and I think when you stress that protection and those rules with an offensive line and a quarterback that are learning a new system and might not necessarily know every check and know every call and know every answer that they have in their back pocket to a protection that might be what explain why Baltimore was able to get home because they had a lot of just unblocked guys to the quarterback, right? Just free runners at the QB off the edge, especially where they were just left wide open. Right. So I think that there's a lot of coverage or protection breakdowns there from a communication standpoint of who has who and when the Patriots love to run their simulated pressure package. Now, Baltimore does it a little bit differently than they do. They run more zero pressure than the Patriots do nowadays, but the Patriots will play that single high. They'll put six guys up on the on the line of scrimmage, and then you have to decipher which four are coming. And sometimes it's the, it's the different four every single time. They try to really change it up. They have rules based off of the way the offensive line slides, who's going to go and who's going to drop into coverage. So 
that to me is the game plan here. It's still to leave seven guys in coverage because I think if you take guys out of coverage too often and you don't get home with the pass rush, then Justin Herbert's going to pick you apart with more space open on the back end. But if you can get home with four by simulating the rush and confusing that offensive line up front, then Herbert has he's got a good PFF grade and all that kind of stuff under pressure. But I really, the only way to stop this offense because they have so many weapons to, to really stop it is to disrupt it, right? You, you got to be right. more physical and you got to disrupt it. So that's going to be the key is to get to Justin Herbert. And I feel like we, you know, you face a great quarterback like Herbert or Dak or Brady. And it's, that's always the key right? It's always the key is to get home. The question is, is how are you go? How are you going to go about doing it? Are you going to blitz? Are you going to play coverage and hope he holds the football? Are you going to do some different things with your four man rush to confuse the offensive line? This feels like a coverage, do things to confuse the offensive line, but don't actually pull guys out type of game plan. So, yeah, I think there's two key differences between this game because we kept talking about how the box and in Cowboys game plans are going to be similar, right? Defensively. I think there's two key differences here. One, it, it, one, one helps the Patriots, one hurts the Patriots. I think the one that helps is this isn't the same offensive line, right? It's not, you know, Dallas is one of the best offensive lines yeah. in the league. The Tampa offensive line is pretty good. Right. And super rudimentary, elementary way to put it. But you're good, you know, the kind of pressure you'll get sending five or six, just to pull arbitrary numbers out. The kind of pressure you'll get sending five or six against Dallas you might get sending just four against the Chargers. Yeah. Just because of the, the again, I know that's super yeah. rudimentary, no, but no, but he can also move around, right? So you have to factor well, that in. Dak can move around too. No, no, but my point, my point being is one of the hardest things to do, and Matt Judon talked about this on that sack last week by Miles Bryan on the slot blitz, right? One of the hardest things to do with Justin Herbert is to actually get him on the ground because he's six five, right. six foot six, and he can move around back there. So if you're a free runner at the quarterback on like a slot blitz or a safety pressure or something like that, that's all well and good. But if he just spins out of it or something like that or gets on the run, then he can just kill you with his arm on the move. So it's a difficult game plan to just say, let's pin our ears back and blitz five or six guys all the time. Because especially the way this Patriots secondary has played of late, I'm not too – keen on the idea of pulling guys out of coverage to add them into the rush, right? It just doesn't feel like the Patriots have the horses and we're going to get into the matchups here in a second with the secondary. It doesn't feel like they have the horses to match up against Allen and Williams and cook. And if Austin Eckler doesn't play in this game, that certainly helps a little bit because he's a dynamic receiver, but it doesn't necessarily feel like the Patriots have the bodies to be able to come with a real blitz game plan here that this definitely feels like they have to keep seven in coverage as often as they can. Yeah. Not a big week to blitz. So the, the other thing I would say that's different from the Tampa and in, in the Dallas games is remember, we talked about specifically with Tampa drop everybody into coverage, make them run the ball, right? If they yeah. see everybody back there, Brady will check out and run. He'll take what's given to him. I don't think the chargers are going to do that, especially if they don't have Austin Eckler. They'll throw into defenses you as the Patriots probably want them to throw into. And some of that is they can get away with it with, with Justin Herbert and, and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, right? But they're not going to this it right with Belichick. It's well, we're not gonna let you beat us with what you do best. And so yeah. for the Cowboys, for the Bucks, it's we'll let you run the ball because we think you're more dangerous throwing the ball. 
the Chargers will say, we're, they'll just put the blinders on and say, screw that. We're still going to throw. We don't care yeah. that you're giving us the run. Again, especially if Eckler's out. So that's a different element to it as well, where the Patriots were able to hide some of the warts in the secondary by kind of allowing, you know, they, they put more resources towards covering the pass and, and right. kind of didn't worry about as much, didn't worry about the run as much. You can't, you can't do that this week, but I don't know that it's going to pay off in the way it did in those games. It's a, it feels like a pretty one dimensional charger offense, to be honest with you. I'm not really too worried about their run game. I think the Patriots can handle stopping their run. If they'll just make the tackle as Belichick said on the sideline in that mic'd up segment last week, he said, we got to get to the quarterback and we'll just make the tackle if they decide to run the ball. Right. And that sort of feels right. like this is that type of game as well. And, and lastly, before we talk about these specific matchups uh, at the end here, they're, it also just kind of feels like uh, a game now, of course. Uh, all right. You got on the other side of the football that the Chargers playing these two deep shells. They're trying to take away explosive plays, that whole conversation. The Patriots are, all, even though their secondary is banged up and they're maybe not as strong there as we initially thought going into the season, the goal of this team from the Patriots perspective is to be able to put lighter personnel on the field as well to a degree and be able to stop some of these higher uh, power passing attacks with those numbers in the secondary. So I look at this game from a Patriots point of view, and I see dime defense. I see Josh Uche playing a lot more than maybe we've seen in past weeks. And I, I see them going out there and really daring the Chargers to, to run the football as well and take the ball out of Herbert's hand that way a little bit too. So the Patriots stylistically do it differently. They do it with their single high structures, with their uh, cover one man and three and stuff like that. But they, they also get a little bit of, of this sort of give and take as well, that they want to be a team that, that can stop the pass out of these formations too. So I expect them to basically live with whatever they give up on the ground in this game. I think Josh Uj should play a ton. Matt Judon's obviously going to play a ton. I don't think this is necessarily a huge Jawan Bentley style of game, right? I'd probably rather right. Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar playing in the box uh, to worry about the pass and then make the tackle against the run. Looking at these matchups, though. Well, how about Jamie Collins? Yeah, Jamie Collins has been playing a ton uh, on passing downs, right? That's basically his role. Right is he takes right. Bentley and Hightower and some of these guys off the field that are less athletic in passing situations. And he's been 25% of the snaps last week, 20% of the snaps the week before, essentially exclusively in the passing game because they look at him as a more athletic player, whether he's blitzing or he's playing in coverage than Van Noy, Bentley, Hightower, some of their bigger linebackers. Right, like just like classic Jamie Collins. So I think having yeah. that, I, I would say too, he gives them – and I guess I'm probably saying the same thing you said. I'm just wording it differently. Yeah. He gives them more of that east to west coverage than a guy like Dante Hightower, right. Juwan Bentley does. I don't know that they have another true east-west linebacker on the roster right now. I thought it maybe could have been Raekwon McMillan early on in yeah. camp. Obviously, he got hurt. Therese Hall, whenever he comes back, will add some of that. But I think Bentley's their uh, – sorry, I think Collins – is their best East to West linebacker right now. And again, you need it with a quarterback like Justin Herbert, you need an East to West linebacker. Yeah. It definitely feels like a game for Collins, Duggar in the box, Phillips in the box, maybe even have four safeties out there, depending on what you want to call miles. Right. Bryant. 
right? Or what I do mean, you call Adrian Phillips too? Yeah, yeah, right. So I would say that this is a big game for that Phillips, Bryant, McCourty, Duggar, Mills, and J.C. Jackson group. Those six guys I think are going to be out on the field a ton because remember the Chargers, uh, Guyton's a, a decent number three receiver, but they're not really a, a team that has three wide receivers that really scare you, right? So I don't know if they have to play traditional nickel or dime defense with a third corner out there. They might be able to just avoid the cor- the third corner spot altogether in a game like this. Talking about these matchups in the secondary for the Patriots, uh, Bill Belichick in the past has done this a ton, and I feel like this is going to be one of those games where we might see Jalen Mills with help on Keenan Allen and J.C. Jackson just get Mike Williams by himself yeah. because – JC traveling inside with Mike Willie or with Keenan Allen and trying to cover a guy that's that good of a route runner, that's that quick at the top of the route, gets open on in breakers. It's just not a great matchup for JC. It's not really what he's what he's best at. We've seen guys like that, like Diggs, uh, who's awesome, anyways. But we've seen some of these receivers that are quicker, shiftier guys that can run routes from inside give JC Jackson some problems. So if Keenan Allen travels inside and it's super easy once he goes inside to bracket him with the linebacker level and the safeties, right? You can bracket him, right. You can give robber help. You can give second level help. You can do all sorts of easy things there to help Jalen Mills out. And then I, I like, I'll take my licks. If, if, if JC Jackson gives up a few big plays down the field to Mike Williams, you kind of have to live with those. Yeah. You know, you only have so many resources. It's not right. You just don't have, we talked about this on Tuesday. You just, they used to be able to pull out this blanket coverage because they had Stefan uh, Gilmore, Jason McCourty, JC Jackson, right. Devin McCourty, Deron Harmon. Like you just, you don't have the personnel for that anymore. Yeah. Given the group they have, that's probably the best bet. And this is where you find out too. This is a game. If they go with the game plan that you just suggested, which I think they will. Yeah. This is a game. I guarantee you we'll talk a lot about in January and February. Cause when we're talking about, well, do they pay J.C. Jackson like a true number one corner? This is a game that will probably come up during those negotiations and for us when we talk about it, because if he shuts out Mike Williams without help, there you go. It's kind of what you want your number one corner to do. Yeah, it it feels like the rest of the way for the Patriots, just knowing that Stephon Gilmore is not walking through the door, that the old Belichick trick of doubling the number one guy, I don't want to call it doubling because no one actually gets doubled all that much in the NFL, but putting the number two corner on the number one guy with help and then putting JC Jackson on the number two receiver on the boundary. So that feels like maybe the, the formula for the Patriots moving forward. And it kind of takes me back to the 16, the pre Gilmore post Revis Patriots, the 15, 16 teams with Malcolm Butler. I feel like Malcolm Butler did that a lot, right? Where they had Malcolm Butler on the number two guy on his own and they had uh was it logan ryan at the time or or, or whoever the number two um yeah, probably probably would have been logan ryan yeah. oh look I yeah feel like with, we're missing with, the, with the help right with getting all the help i and, guess it was rosai dowling the one game he played oh my gosh yeah so that that feels like a decent way to go about this the rest of the way now obviously there's going to be certain matchups where the number one guy quote unquote is just a good matchup for JC and they're just going to want to put him out there. Right. You know, if it's uh Devonte Parker, if it's uh, trying to think of some of their other matchups coming up here, 
Those types of guys. Um, it, was, it, was, it was Logan Ryan one year and then Eric Rowe the next year. Right. So that was, if I remember correctly, outside of one game that's sticking out in my head when they put Malcolm Butler on Antonio Brown. Because well, uh, he just, he'd always owned Antonio Brown. Yeah. He just had that matchup. Yeah. The, the rest of the games in those two seasons, and Belichick had been doing that for a while because they did this with Ty Law a ton too. Right, where they gave right. Ty Law the number two on an island with the number one getting bracketed or getting Except against the Colts. Except against the Colts. Because, again, because he just owned Marvin Harris. There's yeah. weird things in football where certain corners just own certain receivers and vice versa. There's certain receivers that you kind of throw the what we think of as the skill level out. Not that Marvin Harrison is better than Ty Law, but it's more right. like, Malcolm, like Antonio Brown's a better receiver than Malcolm Butler as a corner. But Malcolm right. Butler just owned him. Like it was just this weird thing. Like um, Devon Best used to kill the Patriots. Yeah, the, it was just like this weird thing. Where anyway, I always find those fascinating. Like who specifically owns who? Yeah. So back in the day, Bel- this was more common with Belichick. But then once he got uh, Revis and Gilmore and Talib, that those guys started to take the number one. Gilmore, especially in recent years, that he would take the number one guy every week. Right. right. I mean, it, the Patriots are playing the Chargers this week with Stephon Gilmore. Then, by the way, quick update Eckler questionable. Okay. So that's the other element of this. Uh, just Jared Cook and Austin Eckler, depending on if Eckler is out there or not, uh, those are the two guys that, that do worry you a little bit in this matchup, especially a guy like Eckler. Now, if the Patriots play this game out of that 6DB package that I mentioned, then maybe a guy like Adrian Phillips or Kyle Duggar kind of switch off on Cook and Eckler and they don't actually ever put a linebacker anywhere near Austin Eckler but you do have to worry about on first and second down if you have guys like Bentley if you have guys like Hightower if you have guys like Van Noy out there in space with Austin Eckler that's going to be a not good development for the Patriots so avoiding that thing is important and that's kind of why I feel like this will probably be a pretty heavy man coverage game for new England so that they can make sure that they dictate the matchups. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're up against it. So I don't know if you have any more points. Uh, (laughs) No, no, I don't think we have any more. Um, Jerry cook against Kyle Duggar is going to be an interesting one. Uh, Cook is he's, he's up there in age, but he can still play. Savvy uh, veteran. They'll run. And he plays a lot detached from the formation, too. It's not a whole lot of inline traditional tight end stuff. It's mostly out of the slot and a little bit out wide. I would actually venture to say that he's flexed out more uh, than he has his hand in the dirt in, in general. So it's going to be an interesting game because some of these guys, if you're helping with Keenan Allen, uh, you, like you said, you only have so many resources. So Cook uh mike williams you know these guys are going to be a guy in their third receiver those guys are going to be one-on-one a lot of this game with with, with the patriots uh dbs it's going to be interesting to see how new england matches up but alex we're going to come back on the show on tuesday and you're either going to be able to throw the biggest parade against the nerds that you've ever thrown on this show or uh, brandon staley and the analytics gurus are going to get the better of the patriots well i will see i feel pretty good like again i don't know because my whole point is ultimately comes down to talent in the chargers might have more roster talent than the Patriots. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like to see, you know, chance to kick a game tying field goal fourth and one from the five yard line. They go for it. They don't get it. I would love to see some of that. They, 
They're definitely a team that will be aggressive on fourth down. This is the the antithesis of the Patriots, right? This is the total opposite. They're an aggressive fourth down play calling team. They're a zone match, too high team. They don't care about stopping the run. They love to throw the football all over the place. It's going to be really fun to see which style wins out in this game because whoever dictates the terms of the game is going to win this one pretty easily, I think. you know, right. Patriots- and, and like I said, I, I think the Patriots have a better – ability to dictate the tone of the game because there's certain elements of the game the Chargers just won't acknowledge. Yeah, that's fair. All right, we're going to be back on the show on Tuesday. Uh, Really quickly, Alex, trade deadline on Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Not expecting any fireworks necessarily from the Patriots, but Bill Belichick's always got things up his sleeve. Yeah, I would say, I I mean, I know I saw some people say Deshaun Jackson. I love it. I've always been a Deshaun Jackson fan. I've always wanted the Patriots to get him. Evan, as you've pointed out, there there have been times when they could have got him. They didn't. He's been sitting there as a free agent forever, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there's been times where he's just been uh, open and available for any team to call him, and the Patriots have not if, come calling. If I'm as much as I love Deshaun Jackson, as much as I love Brandon Cooks, really two of my favorite receivers in the league, if we're being honest. Um, I know they kind of need a corner, but just all things considered, financials, everything, if they were going to go for a player at the deadline, I would hope it's Marlon Mack. That would be if I could pick yeah. one guy who's expected to be available. I think that I still think they need another body at the running back position. I think a pass catching running back would help this team a ton. Uh, I ultimately don't, you know, if they make a move, it's a minor move, right? Where they trade Isaiah Ford for conditional seventh last year. Right. They never played. Um, if they make a move, it's probably something like that. But if I could pick one guy that's going to be available to deadline, I'd go with Marlon Mack. Yeah. So we'll have a deadline show on Tuesday. We'll also recap this Patriots chargers game on Tuesday as well, but we're going to record after the 4 PM Eastern deadline on Tuesday. So the Patriots do make a move, keep it right here on Patriots beat and on Patriots, a CLNS and Pat's press pass. Cause we will have you covered on trade deadline day on Tuesday. And then the Carolina Panthers next weekend, hopefully the Patriots have got some more momentum with an upset win in LA, but until then signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. And a happy Halloween out there to everybody as well. Enjoy yourselves on Sunday this weekend. Be safe, and we'll see you guys Tuesday. Thanks for watching, everybody.